You know, Robin was talking about the A-team about two weeks before I got married. My grandmother, who was at that time 94 years old, uh, came to visit me. Actually, she came to visit my parents, but I took her to my apartment, showed her where Kathy and I were going to live. And uh, I said, how are you doing? And she looked at me and she said, Richard, I'm just a young girl in an old body. (laughs) I'm just a young girl in an old body. And then she kind of wept. She said, the only thing I don't understand is why the Lord took Johnson away. Johnson was her husband who was killed in an accident when my mother was three years old. But it was so neat to see her just weeping over the loss of Johnson that had happened, you know, 60 or so years before. But the spirit, if you're a believer, the spirit never ages. It's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. In fact, it, you walk with Jesus, you just get sweeter as time goes on. So anyway, she's just a young girl, was a young girl with an old body. This morning I'd like to speak on a verse that uh, is one of the most quoted verses in Scripture. It's not only quoted by believers, it's quoted by unbelievers. Because it, it's just a fantastic verse. But even though this is one of the most quoted verses in Scripture, I venture to say that probably most of you have never heard a message on this verse. I think in my lifetime, I, I never heard a message on this verse, maybe one. But it's just something that is so common that we just assume that it doesn't need to be talked about. So are you just waiting to find out what that verse is? That verse is found in Matthew, the fifth chapter. It says, do unto others, I'm sorry, Matthew 7, the do unto others as I would do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Does that make sense? Treat other people like you would like other people to treat you. Okay. Now, do we do that? Do we treat other people like we would want to be treated? You know, I think the very fact that Jesus gives us this verse, he's acknowledging the fact that we don't. We do not treat other people as we would like to be treated. So I'd like to start off this morning thinking about why why we don't treat other people like we would like to be treated. Is it because we purposefully want to mistreat people? Is it because we purposely want to be unkind or or not careful? Do we purpose to do those things? I suggest it's not on purpose that we don't treat others as as we would like to be treated. But I'd say it's because we are so absorbed in our own lives with our own stuff. We're absorbed in our careers. We're absorbed in the traffic, we're absorbed in the homeschooling, we're absorbed in this education. We get so absorbed that we develop trunnel vision. 
we wake up in the morning and we start thinking about those things that you and I are drawing life from. We think about the things that we draw life from. So as someone has said, the greatest enemy of Christ are the best things in this life. The greatest enemy of Christ are the best things in this life. Because to the extent we look to anything or anyone or any circumstance other than him, we don't look to him. And when we don't look to him, what happens to our lives? Well, we get into a survival mentality. Because every day we try to keep everything together that we're looking to for life and happiness. And how's that working for you? We live in an impervious, broken world where things are colliding, where things are breaking, where things are moving. And if you and I are trying to maintain our equilibrium by keeping all these things in place, it's going to captivate your attention. It's going to captivate my attention. It's going to captivate your consciousness. Where it's, it's not that you don't want to treat others as you want to be treated. It's that others are just not on our screen. Because what's on our screen? What's on our screen are the things we're trying to do to save our lives. To save those things that we seek our peace, our rest, our truth, our security, our solace from. And you know what Jesus says about that? He says, he who spends his life, he who seeks to save his life in that manner will lose it. Because the only life actually you and I have is the present tense. Who's in front of you right now? But he says, if you will loosen your life, if you will thrust your life, if you'll loosen your life into my hands, it will be saved. It will be saved. But what does that look like? That looks like, you know, Jesus, if you look at his life, he had one bad day. Jesus had one bad day his whole life. Now, there are days where they called him the devil. There are days when they discounted his teaching. There are days when his closest followers and friends betrayed him. There are days when they nearly stoned him. But you know what? His security, his solace, was in his father and his father's alone. You know, you read about Jesus going and spending all night long in prayer. What was he doing? <laughs> he was getting that tank filled up because every circumstance, every situation that he found himself in was draining. People always wanted something from him. And father was throwing his life through him. But Jesus got himself very, very full. And he walked around very, very full. Very full of the Father. It said he didn't give his heart to man because he knew what was in the heart of man. He didn't give his heart to man because he knew what was in the heart of man. Does that mean Jesus was a pessimist? No, he wasn't a pessimist. He was a realist. <laughs> he was a realist. He knew that men were fragile. He knew that men break. He knew that men can't be depended on 24-7. So he just didn't go there with his heart. He placed his security and solace in Father and Father alone. And then when he was around people who broke and moved and had their problems, 
It didn't move him. It didn't break him. So, why don't we do to others as we would have others do to us? It's because others are not on our screen. We're on our screen. We're on our screen getting our needs met in places that our needs will never be met. They'll never be met in any place other than in the person of Christ himself. <laughs> this isn't nuclear theology. This is simple truth. Everything moves. Everything breaks. Nothing satisfies but Christ. And for you and I to spend our life in trying to maintain something that's not going to last anyway or doesn't satisfy us is a waste of our life. So we've got to do what Jesus did. We've got to go get our tanks full of the real thing, of the person of Jesus. We've got to wake up in the morning and say, Jesus, you're the bread of life. I don't want to draw my substance. I don't want to draw my security. I don't want to draw my energy from what this world offers. And it may be wonderful. I don't even want to draw my happiness from my wife's happiness. Guys, have you ever tried to tie your happiness to your wife's happiness? How's that working for you? Ladies, have you, have you ever wanted to tie your happiness to your husband listening to you or to your husband being dependable or da-da-da-da? How's that working for you? Have you ever tied your happiness to your children doing well in school or behaving in a restaurant? How's that working for you? Nothing works. Nothing works in this world. Life is full of disappointments. And what is a disappointment? Your heart, my heart, just had an appointment with something that disappeared. And we are so disappointed all the time. We are so clinging to things that we, we think are going to give us life that we just don't pay attention to who and what is in front of us. So when you walk into Starbucks and this little girl takes your order, do you ever look at her more than just one second? Do you ever ask her how she's doing? Have you ever thought about that she lives, her family's probably 500 miles away from here and she's a migrant like almost half this city is? And she sees her husband, her child, maybe twice a year at the most? The world becomes full of non-persons. Non-persons. So, if you want to treat others, if I want to treat others as I want to be treated, the first thing I have to do is take care of myself. I need to go let Jesus love me. I need to go let Jesus meet my needs. I need to get my security in Christ and Christ alone. I need to come to him and say, hey, I'm scared. Things are moving. Things are breaking. I'm not getting any younger. I don't have any money. My spouse is sick. Oh, but you're fine, aren't you? And let my heart rest there. Let my heart rest there. And then you know what I might be able to be able to do? I might be able to listen to someone. Now, why would you like somebody to treat you? Wouldn't you like to be listened to? 
When's the last time somebody listened to you for an hour? You know, in North America, people spend $200 to get someone to listen to them for an hour. Just to listen to someone is an incredible, incredible act of kindness. Because, first of all, you will never listen to someone unless you're interested in that person. But you and I will never be interested in a person unless we're free from having our, all, our unneed, all our unmet needs met. When we find our needs met in Christ, actually, we realize we're on vacation. We have time to listen to someone in front of us. We might even ask, if they're talking, we might even ask them a question to get them to talk even more. <laughs> what greater gift can you or I give to another person than to listen to them? Just listen to them. It says you're valuable. I care about you. That's doing to others as you would want others to do to you. I bet everybody in this room would like to be listened to. And I bet if asked for a raise of hands, many would say, I haven't been listened to in a long time, especially by the people who are closest to me. And that's an amazing thought, too. Because the truth of the matter is, we should be kinder, we should be closer, we should be more compassionate to those of our immediate family than we are to strangers. But I would venture to say all of us have said worse things to our spouses or to our brothers and sisters than we have ever said to a stranger. And what is that all about? That's about hurting people hurt other people. Hurting people hurt other people. And brothers and sisters, you and I are hurting when our hearts are constantly disappointed because we have stored up for ourselves treasures on this earth and we're walking around all day long having heart attacks and it's hard to be kind it's hard to listen to someone because we're just trying to survive another day Jesus had all the time in the world to listen he only was going to have one bad day in his whole life and that was a very bad day because that which he looked to for his source in life, his father, he was cut off from the father. He was cut off from the Holy Spirit. But because he went through that very day, bad day without grace, there's no reason for you and I ever to have a bad day if we let our hearts, our minds, feed on him and him alone. Okay. So let's say we get our cups filled with Jesus. You'll find yourself actually wanting to listen to someone because people are interesting people are very interesting you listen to their stories it's wonderful you'll learn something you'll be blessed you'll meet another person who is part of christ's body it's fantastic there's something about jesus in each one of us that's not in another person on the face of this earth you and i miss out if we don't listen to people and then what can you do when you're listening well you can encourage people People say, well, you know, I'm, I did this, I broke this, I can't get ahead, this, whatever. Then you can speak life over them. Say, so, well, you know, you've got talent, you've got this, you've got that. I'll pray for you. I know that this can work. Speak life over them. 
The scripture says, with our lips we bless. With our lips we curse. You speak one word of life over a person, then they'll go speak it over another person, they'll speak it over another person, and it goes on and on and on and on. If you and I speak death over a person, you're clumsy, you'll never be on time. You know, we say things like that all the time. Do you know how damaging that is? You're clumsy. You say that to a child, you'll never be on time. Chances are they'll grow up and they will be clumsy and they will never be on time. Because we curse them. We put a curse on them. If our lips cannot speak life, they need to stay closed. They need to stay closed. Be kind. Be kind to one another. Husbands, are you kind to your wives? Wives, are you kind to your husbands? Well, if you're not kind, I know why you're not. It's because you're hurting, and you just hurt those people around you. You just let your hurt just kind of spill out. I let my hurt just kind of spill out. Again, we've got to go back. We've got to go back in the arms of Jesus and say, heal me. Change my appetite. Change my diet. I really do want to draw my life from you. Some years ago, someone asked me, Rick, what has the, been the greatest motivation for you to want to abide in Christ? And no one ever asked, asked me that question before. So I thought a few minutes. It came to me. Well, my greatest motivation to want to abide in Christ is that I love my wife so much, I didn't want her living with my flesh. Now, I forgive myself almost anything. But when I see my flesh hurting someone I really love and really care for, now that's great motivation for me to want to go abide in Christ. But you see, if you see, or I see myself hurting someone and then you just make a resolution, well, I'm not going to do that again, it doesn't work. Because the reason we are hurting people is because we're hurting. And the reason we're hurting is because we have disappointments. And the reason we have disappointments is our heart has an appointment with something that's disappearing all the time. Just think of the average argument. The last time you had an upset with your wife, was it on where we're going on a vacation? Or was it we're going to Ikea today or to the flower market? What's that about? You know, to have an argument, you have to have two people simultaneously in the flesh at the same time. <laughs> Both people wanting their needs met by something that doesn't really matter. And we'll have an argument over it. Should we be at airport three hours early? Should we be at the airport two hours early? If it's even terminal two, it's five minutes from my house. Oh, we need to be there three hours early. Okay. The things we argue about, the things that upset us, it's because we're like a bunch of babies who have all these pacifiers that never give milk. They never give milk, but we suck on them, and we can suck on them our whole lives until we're old men and women and die. And then you get to heaven, and, and Jesus shows you, hey, this is what your life could have been <laughs> if you just put down those pacifiers and look to me. Look to me. We just took communion. 
He says, he, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. That means you'll never want anything. You'll never thirst. You'll, you'll never lack anything that, that matters. Because it's the full soul that we want. The reason we try to capture this world is we think that the world is going to fill our soul, but it doesn't. Nothing fills our soul except the person who made our soul. And that's Jesus. So when you're listening to somebody, don't you also want people to be patient with you? Has anybody, anyone ever been impatient with you? How does that feel? You know, when you're really trying to understand, you're really trying to do something, and you just cause someone to lose their patience. These are simple things, but the reason we get impatient with people is because we have a need that is being frustrated because this person is either doing something or this person is not doing something. We have given our hearts the circumstances that cause us great dis-ease, that causes us to be people who are hard to live with. There's a simple answer. But we have to change. We have to change our diet. We have to change what we're really looking to for our security, our solace, our peace, our life. Following that verse, do unto others as I would have others do to you, is love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. David quoted the first act of that, no greater love is any man than this, he lays down his life for his friends. But I suggest the way we lay down our lives is to say no to self, no to flesh, and yes to Father. That's what Jesus did. We must take care of ourselves. And then as Christ says, love one another as I have loved you, then as we abide in him, he actually abides in us. And his love, his interest in people goes through us. He, David talked about we're his treasure. People be, will become your treasure. Not that the treasure of your heart, but you will just realize what a blessing to talk to this person. What a blessing to hear from this person. What a blessing to hear this person say something that's completely wrong and not correct them because it didn't bother you. What, is the, what a blessing it is to, to encourage them. What a blessing it is to be a vehicle through which Christ would love somebody. Because brothers and sisters, that's what you and I are created for. That's why we're taking up space and time on this earth, is that we might be a vessel through which Christ lives today. If he's not going to live in you, if he's not going to live in me, he's not going to live in the church. He's not going to live on earth. Because there's only one place that he can live, and that's in your heart and in my heart before your spouse, before your children, before your brothers and sisters, before those who you work with. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we putting roadblocks in our Savior's desire, desires to live his life through us? I would say not intentionally, 
But nevertheless, it happens. James says, where, where did these war, where do wars come from and fightings among you? He says, isn't it from your own passions that war within your flesh? You, you want and you cannot obtain, so you war, you covet, do not have, so you fight. You don't have because you don't ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask wrongly to consume it upon your own flesh. And then he goes on to say, you know, you adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with this world will make you an enemy of God? Well, we're not going to be God's enemies because we're believers, but we can certainly be an enemy to his plan. And his plan is to fill you and to fill me with his love, which wants to listen, his joy, which is excited when it sees someone who hasn't or she hasn't seen for a while, his peace, oh, I've got time, I, don't, I, I, I can sit here, his patience, his faithfulness, his goodness, his self-control, Brothers and sisters, he wants to love those people closest to us and every person we meet through us. He wants you and I to be mobile temples of the Most High God. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us go to that place. Love one another as I have loved you do unto others as you would like others do to you. If I get my cup full, you get your cup full, I'd say there's about a lot of loving going on. There'll be a lot of talking going on. I go to restaurants. I'll see the husband out on the date with his wife. You know, they're both on the mobile phone. What? What's that about? We're living in a world that's become more and more isolated because we are drawing our life from someone other than our king, our priest, our father, our brother, our savior, and the Holy Spirit who wants to give us life. Let me close this in prayer. Father, uh, these are simple truths, almost impossible to comprehend. But Jesus, we need you to Give us a fresh, fresh appetite for abiding in you. Because we know if we don't abide in you, we abide in our flesh, and in our flesh dwells no good thing. And it hurts those we love. It's not responsive to those we love. It's deaf to those we love. It's death to those we love. So, Lord Jesus, if you would be so kind as to give us the grace to repent, to turn from all that we look to for life other than you. That you, Lord Jesus, the author of life, the savior of the world, would flow through us onto our loved ones, to our work associates, that you would live your life through us, that we might apprehend all that for which you captured us, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.